We're no longer uh, video virgins. I feel like we are like a political podcast that took the whole election off. Is that his locker plate? That's his locker plate, right? <laughs> Welcome to Rogue Bows, a basketball podcast. We are officially on video. You get to see Pro's beautiful face. He got a haircut. I shaved my beard, obviously. So welcome, Pro. We're, we're going Hollywood now, man. Well, let's just open up for like a minute and talk about a couple of things. A, we can't give the Clippers shit about fucking load management. We've load managed for three months. <laughs> and so I want to just get the listeners back to see what they missed while we've been gone. LeBron signed with the Heat and won a couple of championships. Um, you know, the goal, Steph, there's a little guard from Davidson that's been terrorizing the league. Adam Silver's taken over for David Stern. Rest in peace. And uh, we landed on the fucking moon. So that's what's happened since the last time we, we, you know, we came on. Then you had your, you had your uh, little interview with Jock Lawndale giving me like a day's notice. By the way, pro... We got this. It's going to be too late for you. Thanks. No, 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 no. That's, 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 I'm dealing with an NBA player whose schedule changed three or four times. And then he said, oh, no, now I'm there tomorrow. So not much I could do there. Folks, I, I plead the fifth. Folks, we're reporting on his extension. It's not exactly you were telling me who really murdered JFK. It was the Jock Lawndale <laughs> interview. We could have done that anytime during the summertime. Yet you give me like two days. No, he was in studio, pro. It was all about coming to studio. I've got this beautiful studio behind me that was just freshly built. And Jock came on site. He was only in town for that day and a half with his wife, tight schedule. She's running him around to fashion shoots and, you know, all this kind of stuff. So a little salty about it. Built up salt during the off-season, pro, I see. Absolutely. Actually, it was a good time to to get a little bit of break in. Looks like you got a nice little tan on the dome there. You know, did you go to the Bahamas, Mexico? Where'd you go? Uh, yeah, I went across the street and walking my kid to the fucking bus station. I bus stop to school, but that's about it. Fun. Where'd you go, Bogues? Any uh, any travel plans? Nah, no, didn't really, didn't really, didn't really do anything. Well, it's, well yeah, it's, it was winter here, bro. Way to know your geography. We're going into summer here. We're, diff we're different <laughs> to America. It doesn't our, our country doesn't revolve around yours, unfortunately. <laughs> so we're opposite, and we're in a different time zone. Shockingly, but uh, no, I'm going. I'll probably go to Europe at the end of the year um, and catch some family up there. Nice. But, and then waiting to come to the US next year. But let's not bore anyone else. But we are in video, so thank you for everyone for supporting the podcast. Hopefully, we'll get this rolling, and, and YouTube doesn't uh, demonetize us within the first month or two, bro. So ease up on the swearing, right? Oh, okay. So the seven people that are actually you know, watching us tonight and we'll get a little offended. I apologize. We might get to 77 by the end of the show. You never know. All right, let's get st started. We will touch on our Eastern Conference and our Western Conference previews in the next two weeks. So we'll get deep into that. As Pro says, we have been away for two or three months. A lot has happened. So we're not going to go through all the free agency like we usually do. But there's been two big trades over the last couple of days. Uh, one we knew that was going to happen. We just didn't know where. And that one is Dame Lillard has gone to the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, in that deal, the Blazers received Drew Holiday, DeAndre Aiden, Phoenix with the third team involved, Tumani Kamara, a Bucks 29 first round pick, and swap rights uh, for a 28 and 30 picks. So huge deal there. Um, Portland getting a you know a really big big. Obviously, um, Phoenix got Nurkic and Grayson Allen, and there was one more. Yeah, who was the who was the third player in that deal? Uh, so, uh, yeah, hold on. So Phoenix. Uh, who do they who do they get? 
Another so good. they got Nurkic. They got who's else? Did they get? Grayson yeah. Allen and someone else. Mm. Yeah, they got a young kid. Oh, um, he was on. Yeah, I'm really prepared today. Hold on. <laughs> That's all right. But anyway, I mean, it's. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, I, th- I think it's a good deal for all the teams involved. I, I really do. I think, um, you know, Milwaukee. Are they? Are they really trading? They're really trading defense for offense, right? That's what they're doing. I mean, Drew Holiday is an elite defender. We know his offense can be hot and cold at times, but he's improved in that aspect. But can, you know, probably not as confident throwing him the ball late in games as your go-to guy. But Dane is that guy you can throw too late, but you're losing a lot of defense and grunt on that end. So I think it's – I really think that that's just a defense for offense trade. I don't know what your thoughts are. Does does it get it over the hump? Who knows? But does it move the needle for Milwaukee? As far as getting a closer, it does. But you're losing a lot defensively. And Middleton coming off an injury now, your other guard spot, 2-3 spot, coming off an injury, not moving as well as he can, uh, once was. Now he's all of a sudden not not going to be a high-end defender for him or even an average defender, I don't think. And you've got two guards now that aren't great defenders. So what, what, are, what are your thoughts from Milwaukee's point of view with that? Yeah, Bogues, I think the star power, I think the, their assets outside of Giannis, they were sort of getting lower and lower as far as what you can get for him. You know, I think obviously his comments, you know, like typical NBA players are, uh, later in the summer about where he's going to be in the future. I think that put a little pressure on them. And I think that they had to make a move. To be honest, if you if you broke down their roster with Holiday and Lopez and Middleton, you know, and you're thinking about what you could actually get for him, you'd probably say, well, you might be able to get a pick or two or, you know, a couple of players here and there. But you didn't really think about getting a star player like Dame Lillard. And yeah, you do trade off. You, you, you always lose something in a trade. You either lose your depth, you lose your youth, or you, you lose solid players in, in, a lot of, in a lot of cases. Look, they lost a, a solid leader in Holiday and a defender and someone who's a little bit more point guard oriented. But you get a star. You know, I think that whenever you can acquire somebody who's in the top 10, top 12 in the NBA, um, you know, for a good guard and, and some depth, you know, I, I think you got to go for it. And I think t- to really solidify Giannis staying there, I think it's a good move for them. Um, it puts a little pressure on Middleton and Lopez to stay healthy. And and then it puts a little more pressure on like Bobby Portis and, and their bench to sort of step up. But I think it's really good for Milwaukee. It, you know, um, for about a 29-hour period, they were the favorites to win the championship until the, the deal got sent today with Boston and, um, and Portland. But I think it's really good for Milwaukee going forward. And the names we forgot, uh, Nassir, Nassir Little and Keon Johnson, the Suns receive them. No, I don't think they're going to make a huge difference, but I think I like to pick up uh, Phoenix as well, Grayson Allen. I think a great – I think Milwaukee could have somehow kept him, um, would, would have shored up their defense a little bit, but I like that move for Phoenix. A perimeter guy, 3 and D guys, happy to play off the ball, especially with, with what Phoenix have. Nurkic, questionable, does that work at the five um, for them? Probably decent physical enough. Can rebound. Um, he's shooting the three ball a little bit, so that'll be interesting to see. And then obviously Portland have done pretty well um, with with getting Aiden. So I think you know Portland's obviously in a in a rebuild. As soon as you know my notes for this were where does Drew Holiday end up? And then as we go live today, about two hours ago, which we'll get into now, uh, Portland have moved Drew Holiday to the Boston Celtics. Um, Celtics are sending uh, Robert Williams. Malcolm Brogdon in the deal, um, and a 2024 first round pick via Golden State, and a 29 first a 29 first round pick is also headed to the Blazers. So, 
that's huge for Boston. Like you said, I mean, Milwaukee is up there. I don't think it, I don't think it severely moves the needle that much for Milwaukee because I think, like I said, they lose a lot of defense for a lot of offense. How's that all going to fit? I think in late games it's going to be a, a net positive, but over the course of a season in a tough playoff series, who knows? And then, you know, 24 hours later, Boston make that deal. They don't give up a whole lot. I mean, Brogdon all but disappeared from from the playoff series last season and, and, and wasn't great for them in, in stretches and was hurt as well. Um, and, and Robert Williams obviously is, is replaceable um, with you can find another another probably budget big that can roll and do kind of what he does. He's an elite rim protector, so you got to find that. But they've got Pozingas there. But I mean, with the acquisition of, of Pozingas and Drew, they've had a fantastic off season and clearly the favourites, uh, in my opinion, in the East. Yeah, um, I'll touch on Phoenix in a minute, but for the Boston trade, it, it totally makes sense. I mean, Brogdon injury issues. Obviously, they were going to throw him in a trade earlier for the Clippers, and he got reneged. Um, they had a they, they're going to have to deal him obviously and to see what they have to do and, and to get done but I mean starting five wise you know with, with Holiday Brown Tatum Pozingas and Horford it you know their front five is really tough now they did trade out a lot of depth with Robert Williams who's been injury riddled since he's been in the league so it's not really a huge it is a big loss as far as their defense but you know how long is he going to stay healthy for Brogdon little health issue. You know, plus he, he fell a little bit out of favor. So, look, they, they made a, you know, just like Phoenix did in the tra- in, in the Lillard trade, you know, or, or, get, or doing what they did before the Lillard trade, they, you know, they needed depth. So, you know, they traded away a lot of depth, you know, to get Holiday. You know, they, you know, they lost out on Smart earlier for the Porzingis deal. I think it's really good. They got a defender, a point guard that could sort of, you know, run the show, veteran, trust their new locker room, which is good. You know their their bench needs a little bit of help, especially up front. But you could always find late bigs that are that are acquirable, that are you know are still on the market, just guys that could you know to fill in some roles. They just got to stay healthy. You know, you know Porzingis is the biggest issue, staying healthy. And you know last year again didn't really. I think I think he missed about 17, 15 to seventeen games. If he could stay healthy, they're in, you know they got a shot. Their bench is going to be tested, but again, I think they could they could develop over the you know, over the course of the season. But I, I think it's a move you need to, you need to make, um, you know, solidify that starting five. And, you know, I, 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 like, I, I love the deal for Boston. I think it's really good. Yeah, and replaces Smart, like you mentioned. When, when Boston made that deal, I thought, ooh, you're, lose, you're losing a lot of perimeter defense. I mean, Tatum's probably become a average, above average, probably defend a little bit above average. He's, at least when, he, when he's locked in and buys in, he's better than he was three or four years ago. That was a knock that we both had on him was – at times he doesn't guard. Brown's consistently okay, um, but they lost Smart as their best ball stopper. So to bring Drew in off that is huge. He has a player option the following season. There's talks that they might they might extend him and give him a you know maybe a team friendly deal or a long term deal. that will be interesting to see what they do there. But what are you hearing from from that? Will they will they extend him or just let it play out to the player option? Was he player option for thirty or is it thirty eight? Thirty eight, I think, for a player option, something like that. Or yeah, so right now right now he's got a he's got a player option for thirty eight six. And uh, 24-25, there was talk about him wanting to go to a, a title contender that he, he could sign long-term for. Um, I know they were a little bit cash-strapped going into this sort of deal where, you know, they just re-signed Brown. They got Tatum. You know, they got Tatum, Brown, big salaries. You know, obviously both max contracts. So, you know, losing Williams and I don't know what Brogdon's deal was. I don't know if he was expiring or not, but... You know, uh, without Williams, Williams didn't make a ton of money, but 
You know, I, I think that owners tend to, you know, when the, when you have a chance to win a championship, if not multiple, you know, and you have this piece that could really help you, I think, you know, they don't mind going to the tax as much. Now with the new rules that they signed the CBA, it'll be interesting what they do with his deal, if it's going to be a cap-friendly deal going forward. But um, there is some talk about, you know, trying to get something done long-term. I don't think anybody's in a rush. I think that they might talk about it. If I had a guess, they'd probably wait, you know, you know, they'll probably wait until next year to do something, but no one's really in a rush. You know, he, he could opt out and they could re-sign him and, and whatnot. So there's no really like it's going to get done tomorrow type deal. Like with, when they acquired KG in that trade in 08 where, you know, they extended him right away. I don't, I, I don't, I don't, I don't see something like that happening. They'll probably wait it out. Do you think Robert Williams sticks in Portland? Uh, is there a possibility some frustration sets in there? But Aiden starting at the five, they are similar kind of players. Obviously, Williams is not as as offensively strong as Aiden, but they're very similar in kind of the way they play. They're not three-point shooting bigs. You know, everyone in the NBA loves to have a five that shoots threes at some point on their roster, whether it's a backup or smaller minutes. Do you think Williams becomes frustrated at some point playing, you know, he's only going to play probably 15 a game, if that, um, considering the skill set of, of him and Aiden being very similar? I think I think there will be a, some initial frustration, but I think this is a good deal for him. I mean, obviously not the team, you know, come, going from Boston right on the brink of winning a championship to, you know, going to Portland. But now, look, with his injury history, to me, if you're looking at it from an NBA player's perspective, he's like, probably thinks he's a starter, he should do this, he should do that. But playing behind Aiton... Obviously, his minutes are going to go down. Last year, he averaged about 23 and a half. I can't see that going up. It's probably going to go down, like you said, to about 15, 17. I think there'll be some frustra frustration. But look, with players sitting out and resting and things like that, plus with his own injuries in the past, you know, not it doesn't have to have a lot of playing time to, to really rev up those, you know, the chance for injury. I think just like any NBA player, there'll be some frustration. Maybe you can move him. Plus, with Portland, look, I think that Portland did what they needed to do. They got Lillard out. I, you know, I think Cronin did a great job, not, not just bowing down to Miami and just dealing with Miami. I think they did a great job holding out. He got like what four, you know, three first-round picks, multiple pick swaps for Lillard. But now they could sort of say, okay, Henderson, Simons, and Aiton are our guys. You know, they're probably going to deal Grant. You could probably get a first for Grant. You could probably get a first for Williams. So let's not let's remember this deal keeps on moving, right? With the the other players that they get. First it was Willard. They dealt Willard for what they got. They got Holiday in the trade. They dealt Holiday for a couple of additional picks with pick swaps and things. Now they could deal Williams. Williams is probably worth you know at least a first round pick. So they could deal him. I think they'll keep him for a little bit. If frustration you know comes in, there's a team that's going to give you a first for him. Maybe not unprotected, obviously, but. There's a, you could get you can get a little bit of a you know trade package going together if you know if Williams becomes frustrated. I think it's good for him in the short term. You know, put up some numbers. They're gonna be really bad. They're gonna be really young. They're gonna be throwing things out there. I think he gets some minutes to get some numbers. You know, if if they want to do something at a trade deadline, they can. But I don't think there's any rush to move Williams. But I could see that happen in the future. Yeah, I just see it as Williams obviously was was needed on that Boston roster uh, with Horford. He was kind of a guy coming in and protect the rim. But you know, Aiden and him, I think, are very similar skill sets as far as paint paint playing bigs. They're not going to shoot much threes. 
um, and they protect the rim at a, at a decent level. But uh, they're going to be bad. Yeah, they're, they're, I think Williams is a shot blocker, though. Like Williams is a better shot yeah, than blocker. Aiden. So yeah, for sure. He does sure. give you something. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, Aiden's not a. He's more offensive minded, but he's still okay defensively um, as a big. But he's not. An, he's not an elite. I think Robert Williams is an elite rim protector and. But they're, 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 what I mean by similar is most teams these days have a five that's a rim protector and a rebounder, and then they have a, a three-point shooting five, right? Well, Portland don't really have that right now. They've got two of the, two kind of similar skill sets, not exactly the same, but similar. Uh, but they're going to be bad. <laughs> they're going to be – you know, they, 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 they're not going to sneak up on anyone like they did a couple of seasons ago to start the season. They're going to be bad. They're going to be blooding guys. I mean, if they win 15 games, I'd be – 15 or 20 games would be a win for them this, this coming season. All right, moving on. A bit of drama again, uh, Kevin Porter Jr. Um, interested to hear your thoughts on on where they go with this, but uh, prosecutors say that uh, Kevin Porter Jr. fractured girlfriend's neck in an attack, uh, domestic violence attack. So we both stand very similarly with with domestic violence and no tolerance for it. Um, there's been some issues in the past with numerous players, especially over the last couple of seasons, but this one, especially considering his track record of, of getting in trouble. Um, not domestic violence related, but just locker room issues, you know, being a bit of a bit of an idiot in the, in the locker room, throwing soup, that whole deal, traded, fresh start. Now this comes up. I mean, is there a chance he gets a season? I think I think anything anything under a multiple season ban at first, it will be a bad precedent to set if you're in the NBA, if you're running the league. I think um, protection of women, you know, it's a huge thing that we like to talk about in other, in other ways. I think for what happened, this wasn't a slap. This wasn't a drunken thing that they were out. It was a push or a shove. This was uh, a very vicious attack. I know there's still a, an investigation probably, you know, in, in the works, but. Yeah. And we'll look, we, we like, want to be quite clear. Like, like we, we obviously want, you know, the law to run its course and, you know, there is a yeah. innocent to proven guilty, but I mean, the you know, if what we're reading is not if, great. He's, if, it, yeah. if he's guilty. Right. If everything that we're reading, yes. If everything's reading, what we're reading is 90% accurate, then he should, in my opinion, get a multiple year ban, possible lifetime ban from the league. I, obviously, they're not going to go with that. But look, I mean, Bridges did something very similar to that last year. He's allowed to sign back in the league in you know within a year, so you would probably say they're going to follow the same guideline. Although I don't think Bridges was ever was he ever suspended by the league, or they just didn't give him a contract and they just let it you know, let it run out. I didn't really read into. The I think it was suspended, deal, but yeah. But it, he, look, he he started the season though, didn't he? And then it happened happened during camp or after that, didn't it? I don't. Yeah, I think it happened in the off season, and yeah. I don't think he played the whole year. He didn't. Yeah, he didn't. Um, he didn't. Look, look, it's got to be at least a year. And I think if you're in that locker room, do you really want a guy like that in your locker room? Do you, you know, that did something like that to a significant other? I mean, and especially on a female end, it's, it's really, you know, to me, I got no respect for it. If somebody told me that they're going to give him life in prison, I wouldn't bat an eyelash, to be honest with you, for what he did. But um, I, I think it's got to be at least a year, if not multiple like I wouldn't let him play anywhere, to be honest. Well, he have, I, I mean, I'd he, make it a FIBA the, ban. The year, the, yeah, the year is one thing, but you could be getting some serious jail time on top of that year. So I think, he, I think yeah. you know, the fact that yeah. these are pretty serious charges uh, pending, 
And I, I think the NBA might not even yeah. have to handle it because he might be in a jail cell. You know, I think he's probably going to get some jail time considering how yeah. bad this looks. Um, and he just signed. What did he just sign? He, he just signed a deal two years, two seasons ago, correct? Where he he signed a four year, eighty two point five yeah. million dollar contract. Right now, yeah. yeah. So right now it's fifteen eight. I think it's I think it's team. I think it's team option, Bogues. No, it's non guaranteed. So fifteen eight. This then season. he goes seventeen one. Then he goes eighteen four, and then nineteen six team option. So they so got the, la- the last balls. season. I mean, they could, wait the last season's team option or the next three are team option team options. No, well, at least from what I have, and you could check it if you want. I've got next year non guaranteed. Okay. The year after that non guaranteed, and then there's probably roster bonuses if you're on the roster past a certain date, and then I believe that the last year nineteen point six is a team option. Yeah, so he's basically just lit this season's money on fire, um, and he has really no insurance for the following season. So you can, you can. I mean, Houston did the smart thing, knowing that he's an erratic, crazy guy, um, and they've they've protected themselves now. They can just walk away from it but and wash their hands. How about the how about the balls on them though? He does that. I mean, obviously, if you if that happens, twenty nine other teams ain't going to touch you. I don't think you could trade him to a team in Afghanistan for what he did, right? <laughs> and and they put it out there in the media that. They're trying to get something for him frantically. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. I saw that. And I was just like, are you serious? <laughs> like, the guy's in the middle are of you domestic. serious? Come on, man. He might be going to jail next month, but hey, if you make us a good offer, we'll consider it. <laughs> That's like the Buffalo Bills back in 94 while OJ's fucking Broncos going down the road saying, we still get his rights. We might we might try to get a, like a running back or a backup for him. Anybody interested? I mean, give me a fucking break. I mean, the guy literally beat his girl almost into a coma and you're trying to trade the guy. It's just, what are you doing? Imagine the team that traded for him. Imagine what will be waiting for you the second after that trade's Mm. done, you know, from, you know, from groups and and, and all that. Protesters, yeah. It's crazy, man. Yeah, it's it's ugly. It's ugly part. It's an ugly part of pro sports, ugly part of the NBA especially. But, you know, I guess you don't feel, I don't feel sorry for anyone that does that. Um, I think it's, it's just no. dis- disgusting behavior. No. Even even you mentioned you didn't have a drink. Even if you had a drink, even if you you know like it's it's you know the only excuse I think anytime you have an excuse is if you're getting you know your significant other is laying into you with punches and and you I mean that most yeah. you do is you push away to protect yourself weapon. Um, but yeah. yeah, I mean yeah, or a weapon, but like just just actually breaking breaking a neck vertebrae in <laughs> your crazy. girlfriend's. I mean it's just. Yeah. I don't Come mean on, to man. laugh, but it's just um, you're a professional athlete. I mean, Come yeah, on. it's just crazy. Just you know, we we had meetings with the. Uh, um, you would have sat in some of these, you know, the NBA security meetings that they come in and they talk to you about, you know, oh, but joke, basically, man. hey, don't hit your wife, don't hit your partner. But I remember the. Um, it was actually somewhat decent advice. It was there was we had a we had a a former police officer come in and and um, spoke to us and said, look. I always have a bag packed in my garage and like the guys would laugh and giggle about it. But he said, I've always got a bag packed. that has got overnight necessities. And if I think, you know, my wife and I, or my girlfriend and I are getting into it and I need to leave for a day or two, I grab that bag and I go. And I think that's, that's actually sounds crazy, but it's good advice. Just leave, leave the situation. You know, if you think you're going to, something hostile is going to happen, you just got to go, go, go get your breath. Sometimes your wife needs to do the same or your girlfriend, but yeah, there's no there's no excuse for that, and I think it's just I think he's going to be in some big trouble. And I think even if he, like you said, comes back after a year or two, he's going to be on a minimum deal. If if that a team might still not touch him because now you know he's got to be, he's building up a decent resume of bullshit that he's done 
and he's and this one's going to be a top line of it. So um, it's a shame because he's, he's a talented player. Like when he's got it going, and he's you know obviously he's got a lot of bad habits. He's a young guy, but but he's he's a pure scorer that can really go off in games. Should be in the NBA. Obviously his contract says that, but yeah, you're in some trouble. But moving on from that one, we then go to Kai Jones. Uh, and just a prime example of, of not hitting the live stream button <laughs> if you're a young fella. Uh, for those not familiar, he's he's had a hell of an off-season. Um, the first one was himself dancing, uh, where people thought that he was high on drugs, did not look good. He came out and, and, and stomped that down and said, I wasn't high, blah, blah, blah. And then he's live streamed that he's basically better f- than everyone in the NBA, including former players and Shaq and, and I'm better than them, I'm better than this. So then people started prodding him and baiting him into, oh, what about your own teammates? Are you better than them? Better than all them? I'm going to get, you know, if I got their minutes, blah, blah, blah. But you're just like, if you're a young, young kid coming up, college, high school, wherever you are, like the live stream stuff is, is death. Like there's no real net positive of, if you're Kai Jones going on a live stream, Move by stealth. You're, you're still finding yourself. You haven't solidified yourself as a, even a role player yet. It's like just stay off the live stream, pro. I mean, what are you doing, folks? I mean, most of the young players that come in this league, they might last four years and they're out. Five years they're out. I would say forty percent of the first round don't get to their second contract. You know, look, just play basketball and re, and do like try to at least build something that you do really well, and then when you're established. You know, you got a couple of contracts under you. You want to start doing that stuff uh, to a certain degree, fine. But when you're in a situation like his, like you said, try, just start trying to make the league and trying to stay in it. And then you do something stupid like that. It's just most people just can't deal with that. Like you're a professional athlete. It's your life, even though it's not that hard, it's hard enough. You're, you're trying to build what you're doing. And then you could sort of, you know, branch out a little bit. But when, when you're doing like what's the upside of doing stuff like 100%. that? Hundred percent. And There's then no you upside. add, yeah, then you add drugs to it, or I don't know what he was on. He was obviously on something. Madeline. Now I got a, <laughs> I got an intel report from uh, a reliable source that was talking to a scout, and that told me that, like, he told me this about a month ago, that like. He had some erratic behavior, for sure. He had some, about a month ago, I forgot to tell you about this, but like, that, you know, that people in his team think he's completely insane. This wasn't something that happened, like, you know, working out, just like people, like, dealing with him, they think he's a little nutty. And a lot of the scouts that I talk to around the league tell me the same thing about the guy. But this is just like the cherry on top. And... Yeah, so he's not, um, I don't know, man. It just ruins it because once you start putting yourself out there like this, now people don't really want to touch you. Like, they'll be like, yeah, is this guy really serious? You know, like we talk about guys like Dwight Howard. Like Dwight Howard's a little nutty, but the guy was like one of the best players in the league for a five or six year period. You know, uh, know, JaVel McGee, crazy, but... Yet, he's figured some things out, you know, for a small amount of time. But when you haven't really done anything, and you're crazy, and then teams start saying, well, he's not that good and he's crazy. Well, you got to be one of those things. you got to be either really good and crazy, or, you know, 
not crazy and just average player. You can't be an average player and crazy as hell. It's just not going to be good. Well, how about this? So the two things. He's in 21-22, he averaged one point and 0.5 rebounds. Uh, last season, he averaged 3.4 points and 2.7 rebounds. But they were really high on his summer league. He had, a, he had a decent summer league and they're like, you know, maybe. He had a decent summer yeah, league. Yeah, he's starting yeah. to come into his own. And then this happens and you do the live stream. But how's this from, did you see the quote from his former college teammate, Greg Brown? No. no. So basically, I don't, I don't know why he'd say this, but he basically said, uh, UT teammate, current Hornets big, um, Kai Jones. Kai's always been like that. People have just never seen the real Kai. Kai's really just showing real Kai right now. <laughs> so his own teammate from college probably thought that was a good yeah. – I don't know how he thought that was a good thing to say. Um, so he says he's checked in on him and that he's doing great, but not the most glowing comment. That Yeah, man, the, the real the real Kai's starting to come out now. He's always been like that. You're like, ooh, not good. Not good whatsoever. There's enough head coaches in this league that don't like young players We've we've all been around him, right? Mm. This just gives you am, ammunition not to play the guy, and well, have him on your roster. You know, everybody in this, yeah, ninety eight percent of the league's replaceable, mm. and some players will last a lot longer than others. And he's just given a reason not to. It's just dumb. It's dumb. Guys who average five and five will make a hundred million dollars in their career. Five and five. So all you got to do is just hang in there. And you're going to make money in this league. The average salary when I got in the league in 03, the, the mid-level was at like $5 million. Now it's at like $10 million. An average salary of $10 million and you're just pissing it away because you want to go live and be high or whatever you were. It's stupid. And it is what it is, man. Just move on to the next guy. Yeah, we'll to, see him in to, China. And, and to your point earlier, um, and this isn't the right mentality neither, but the old school mentality was um, get your money first and then act a fool, right? Yep. So like guys with attitude problems yep. in the locker room, it wasn't so much, you know, going on live, Instagram live or, be, you know, getting in trouble, getting in fights, obviously getting into it with your girlfriend like uh, Porter Jr. did. But it was the, the old veterans used to tell the younger guys that they could see that attitude problem, might want to get into it with a coach, might get into it with teammates, might be pissed about touches, just like, hey, man, get your money and then do all that, which is kind of the wrong attitude as well because then like it's it should just be like don't be a, don't be a dickhead, period. But the old older guys would see younger yeah. guys that had a lot of potential and pull them in and say, hey, man, just chill out. Like, put the hard work in for three or four years. You'll get a contract and then whatever happens, happens, right? Even that's gone. Like, you, the, even a lot of these veterans can't even talk to some of the younger guys. You don't guys. have guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's not many veterans left yeah. that care because th those younger guys are, you know, it's, it's, it's a push or pull thing. Like, some of the younger guys are a bit arrogant coming into the league. Like, you know, you come into the league like High Jones and you're in your third year, you've averaged three and two and you're shitting on your teammates saying you're better than them, shitting on, on Hall of Famers saying, oh, I'm better than them, I just haven't got the opportunity. That's that's going on, pro, like Pro always says, that's going on, there's confidence and there's delusion. That's like going all the way to delusion where you're just like, <laughs> like you need someone to tell you, whoa, like that's a Hall of Famer you're talking about, about right? So that's, you know, wait to, wait to get your money and then if you go off the rails, you go off your rails. At least you've got an insurance policy. Folks, this league is hard enough. Like you can do, you can get drafted, have a great attitude, you know, and then you go to a team that there's three guys in front of you at your position. You don't get minutes. You go in the D league, you do your thing. You're always early. You, you say the right things, but you never get a chance to show anybody you're any good. And then you got to move to another team and another team. And then you just don't, you get start getting a little older. You don't get that spot. And then you end up getting flushed out of the league. So the league's hard enough if you're just an average player anyway. But now you have a chance to like 
You're going off a good summer league. You got your thing. Don't give them a reason. Like, give it a reason where, like, you just didn't have enough time. There was too many players on the roster. And then you just got flushed out of that team. You know, make it that situation. But when you're just an idiot, you know, like, look, we just talked about Porter Jr. Same thing. $80 million on the table. All you have to do is show up. The guy puts up numbers. Like, don't do dumb shit that's going to get you out of the league. That's that's tough for me to understand. I have almost no compassion for players who do that stuff and get out of the league that way. It just it's just dumb. Like you and like you said, there's no veterans left anyway. You know, there's no real veterans that are gonna talk to guys. It just that's not where we are anymore in society and the NBA about veterans like taking people under their wing. There are very few that do that. Even the good vets just sort of keep to themselves. So it is what it is, man. Uh, Kanichiwa when I see you in China or Japan or wherever that's from. So you know, good luck and we'll Ni Hao, Ni Hao, we'll China. Later. Yeah, he's in, yeah. He's, Ni Hao, he's, Ni Hao. And it sucks because in, in twenty years it'll be like I coulda, woulda, shoulda, and I was this, but I got screwed. And like, no, like you screwed yourself. Uh, Arenas Elijah one was a trending thing the last couple of weeks. I, I enjoy Gilbert Arenas's uh, podcast at times. Look, I, I don't agree with it a lot of some things he says and some things he doesn't. But the guy has an opinion. He's actually fun and entertaining. You will talk. I mean, these comments around Elijah one, I think, were serious, but also tongue in cheek. But for those that weren't familiar, you know, everyone knows Hakeem Elijah one has his uh, off-season workouts where many guys go and do footwork and all that kind of stuff. And one of the best big bigs footwork-wise that, that's ever played the game. A, a lot of a lot of creative stuff, up and unders, and all that. But uh, quote from Arenas: Nobody wants the Hakeem Elijah one skyhook. Nobody wants none of that. You should be ashamed of yourself charging these young whippersnappers $50,000. When you came in the league in 1984, you wasn't even making $50,000 a game. You're trying to get your trying to make your your money back through the youth. Do not charge these boys 50 grand for that bullshit. He ain't been good since the 90s. That means all the moves from the 2000s, the 2010s and the 2020s, he doesn't know. Who are you going to do the moves on? Wembenyana. <laughs> so, tongue in cheek a little bit, but what's your opinion, Pro? Does he have a, does he have a point? Is Hakeem Fleecing guys out of a bit of funds. We talked about this a couple of times in the show throughout the years, Bogues. Um, here's what I think, and I, and it's I'll talk to you about both sides of what I of this argument. As far as if you're Giannis, if you're a business owner and you have a chance to meet Gary Vanderchuk, Jeff Bezos, a Mark Cuban. And he says, hey, it's 50 grand and you've got the, like, you're, you're making $30 million a year and you had to spend a, a week with these people and they say 50 grand. You're going to do it. You should do it, right? If you're Giannis, if you're an elite player that needs to work. And look, I agree, like, you're not going to do all that post stuff in today's game. It's a little bit different. But to spend time with one of the best players ever you know, for a week and talk to him and work on some simple things. Giannis needs work just like anybody else. I, I don't mind it for a guy like him. Kobe, LeBron, Giannis, guys like that. You know, even if, if you're going to use half of it, you know, you could spend time, you can talk to him, you could ask him advice, you could say, hey, when you were dealing with this, you know, I'm dealing with this issue, what 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 did you do when you were, when you were playing? And then maybe even some simple things like his game is very like, you know, elbow ISO oriented. They get him in the post a lot. He faces up. He could play like, I don't mind that. 
because you're an elite player, you're making the money, it's not that bad. First of all, on on his financial deal with Olajuwon, Olajuwon's a multimillionaire from from he owns about half of Houston real estate wise. I heard, so I don't think he really needs a fifty grand. But his time's worth is what it is. What I have a problem with when I was in Dallas and we had we had Javel McGee and Javel McGee spent I think it was twenty five grand at the time. I don't know how it went up to fifty, but he spent the money to go with Olajuwon, and Olajuwon was teaching him what he teaches everybody else. That's where I have a problem with you're going to spend 25, 50 grand, whatever you're going to spend. And a guy that you need to limit what he does with the ball and with his footwork, you're going to teach him like <laughs> yeah. a dream shake when he's got no business doing it. That's when I got a problem with it. But um, from that end, I just think that Giannis spending 50 grand to, to, to spend it with one of the best players of all time for a week, not an hour, for a week or four days or whatever he was, I think that is definitely beneficial for him. Um, I think he went, it was a little humorous, but I think he went a little overboard with it. I don't think it's a big deal. Now, if you're, a, if you're at the end of the bench, our guy Landale wants to spend 50 grand. The stuff that he would teach Chalk really wouldn't benefit him if he's going to be teaching him dream shakes and stuff. But to spend time with one of the best players of all time, and, to, and look, NBA players, 50 grand a week with Olajuwon would be the 9,421st stupidest thing an NBA player collectively will spend their money on. They spend a lot more money to get a lot less in their world than to spend it with Akeem Olajuwon for a week. I, I think some of it is a little outdated, but even if you taught him footwork, jab, you know, one simple move that he can use to, to get him better, and then he could ask him a million questions, I don't mind that at all. I, I think that that's, that's justified. It's just what Olajuwon teaches. He teaches every player the same. And that's where I think that ex-players that, that were really good that teach and coach, the problem is they try to teach every player like they're them instead of being like, wait a minute, this player is very simple. We need to keep it basic with this guy. This guy could really be advanced. I can go with that. But it's the same thing for everybody. That's where I think you don't get it. But you know, Giannis is making plenty of money and to spend time with him, I think it's beneficial. What do yeah. you think, folks? No, I think it's, I think it's definitely aimed more towards the – elite upper echelon superstars that can get the most out of it, right? Like you said, if you're a role player or if you're a middle tier player, number one, can you, you know, if you're a low end rookie, you're going to, can you afford it? I'm, I'm hoping he gives them a bit of a discount right. or maybe, maybe you can latch on to, you know, to, to Giannis's workout. Maybe, you know, I'll pay the 10 and Giannis pays the 50. I don't know, but I think it's, it's definitely, yeah. it's definitely aimed more towards the superstar players that can better. Maybe, maybe it gives Giannis an extra 2% to his game. And, you know, Giannis is starting to shoot that little fade away now He's starting to be confident in the mid range when yeah. he get when he when he gets his back to the basket. So I think he, there will be some stuff that he can definitely use and take from him. But yeah, to your point, like Javale McGee, no, you're, you're a rim runner, you're a rebounder, you're a lob guy. No one's throwing Javale McGee the ball to post up. It was kind of like late in my career. Like my post ups were starting my career. Late in my career, if I'm I'm gonna go see Hakeem and then go back to the Warriors and be like Steph, like yeah, throw it down to the post. Like I'm an idiot. <laughs> I just and I just lit fifty grand on fire, right? So. I think you're right. I think you're definitely right. He needs to spend fifty grand to see Mark Price in the offseason. He doesn't need fifty grand to spend it on a lot of point. Yeah. The guy needs to make free throws. Pay that guy fifty grand. I'd pay him five hundred grand because the guy is cannot shoot free throws. And he cannot shoot. And yeah, you know, he does it over a series, but he doesn't do it over a course of a season. He needs to be able to shoot the ball. But again, spending it fifty grand to see Elijah on 
come on, man. I mean, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world, but the guy needs a shooting coach. He doesn't need Olajuwon. Although, again, spending on Olajuwon, great, but he needs to be able to shoot the ball. Um, that, I think, is his biggest problem, obviously. Yeah, well, I mean, some will agree with you, but some won't, but that's that's his opinion on it. And, um, I mean, I, I, I don't think Akeem's running camps all summer. I think he does one or two guys in off-season usually. They get a lot of publicity from it, and good luck to him. And, and also, I, we worked with Gilbert at the end of his career. I think he told me once he spent about two hundred grand on a shark tank in Washington, D.C., so I don't think he should be the, the president of – you know, worrying about where people spend their money, to be honest with you. Definitely not. Definitely not. I um, love Gilbert. I love Gilbert, though. I think he's good value. I think he's very, very fun. Yeah. I remember he threatened uh, – we, we, I got into it with him and get uh, into it with Gilbert when he was in Washington. I was in Milwaukee. We got into it on the court. And um, Really? I don't know what happened, but he – yeah, but he, he threatened to break my nose on the court, and I was like, okay, let's go. And then uh, fast forward to, like, February, it was uh, – the All-Star game was in – where was that, in Vegas – and I was in the rookie sophomore game, so I passed passed by him in the hallway, and he was like, "Oh no, no, you know, I was just joking, man. You know, I was just joking, man. I didn't, I didn't even say anything huh. to him. We just, we just kind of crossed paths. Like, oh, you know, I was just messing with you, right?" And I'm just like, "Cause I was like ready. I was ready. Like three months later, I was like, I'm, I'm I was walking by and like, oh, I'm, I'm, yeah, he's, this guy said he's gonna break. Well, yeah. So I was, and and nothing happened. So he's he's all he's like, he just loves talking shit. He he knows he knows where uh, he stands. He's not trying to fight anyone. Folks, I'll tell you what, he has one of the biggest work ethics I've ever, and biggest gym rats I've ever seen. We had him in Grover's. He would come to the gym at midnight. He would come to the gym all day in the morning. I mean, the guy just, he, he reminded me of like Jamal Crawford. You know, Jamal Crawford, he's going to play till he's 50, yeah. you know, in, in men's leagues and stuff. This guy is all about playing and all about working. He's a, he's nutty on one end. Like, you know, he loves to run, run his mouth, but like, I, I love Gilbert. I, I think that, you know, he, first of all, he's one of the, fun. those Arizona guys, they're all crazy. Oh man. Richard Jefferson, Channing Fry, him, they're all nuts. And I, I love him. And, but, uh, he does work his ass off. That's one thing I, I can never, um, we brought him in when I was in Boston for a pre-draft workout. And I think he like messed his ankle up, but he still wanted to get shots up. I mean, but like when we had him with Grover, he was coming over mac microfracture surgery. I mean, first of all, he talks a mile a minute. He will talk shit to the cows come home, and uh, but he 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 puts his work in. So, nice yeah, good value. I, I, I enjoy. I remember him. you hit me up about it. Yeah, yeah, you hit me up about him, and uh, like last week or two weeks ago when he said it, and you know, I thought I, I watched it. I thought it was pretty funny. No, it was. It was. He's good value, but I recommend his podcasts. Is yeah, they they're good fun. They, they talk a lot of shit and have fun with stuff. Um, final thing before we get into international stuff. Did you see Jabari Parker's comments? Um, now, some of this is probably spilt milk because he's out of the NBA, but a lot of – he's hit a lot of things on the head, re the NBA. I'll just read through these for you. Um, I'm not sure where he said this, but it was posted on socials a couple of days ago. Um, I did see it. it was referring to the, the way the NBA is going and the trajectory that it's going and how he's out of the league and all that kind of stuff. Analytics made teams play to patterns. Veterans got pushed out of the league. Only stars can take middies, mid-range jumpers. Uh, post play got eliminated. League went too young. Rules softer than ever. Scoring is very inflated. Non three point shooters take threes. Games are too up and down. Defensive players are often disabled. Hard to keep up night to night. Only four to six real contenders every season. Uh, owners power versus star power. No teams have a core for three to four years. Uh, way too much player movement. Individualization of the game. 
free agency trades too hyped, most analysis, gossip, or debates. I don't think you got one wrong, bro. I don't know what your thoughts are, but it's pretty – I know he's – people say he's spilt milk because he's not in the league, but I can't disagree with anything he said. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it – a lot of it is true. You know, a lot of it's true. You know, it's interesting, players like him, uh, Okafor, Al Jefferson, Roy Hibbert, those guys that were stars at one point, it just changed for them overnight. And Jabari was, look, when he was at, and we worked with him because he's a Chicago kid, um, and he was a star, man, with Milwaukee, you know, what he was doing there. And, like, all of a sudden, it just changed for him. But all that stuff, the analytic side is huge in the NBA. It dictates most of what you're going to do. The post-up player, totally agree. The league going young, no no doubt about it. Um, you know, uh, player movement, you know, whatever. It, it, that's just sort of what, what the league's getting pushed with because of the fact that, you know, it's a tidal wave where it starts with elite young players that want to get out of their teams and get out of their deals and it forces teams to trade when they're younger and then move all these players, and it just starts a tidal wave of moves. I totally agree with that. Free agency and trades are way too hyped. Way too hyped. Like, it, uh, I do, I mean, there's not a lot I disagree with. I don't think there's anything really that I totally disagree with with that. It's just um, the veterans getting pushed out of the league. Uh, I think certain veterans get pushed out of the league that can't like a Jabari Parker who who doesn't really can't really stretch the floor has to iso all the time not a shooter and, and just sort of you know back to the basket or face up bigs that can only really play on the block or the you know the mid post maybe those guys get pushed out early but um yeah well, we've seen a lot of teams I, pro like I, I there's a lot of teams it. that have gone they'll rather you know I think when I first came to the league in the early 2000s there was an emphasis on our 12, 13 needs to be some vet men guys. Like I had Irvin Johnson and Tony Kukoc as yeah. my uh, 12 and 13, and they were there to help right. myself and then TJ Ford and the younger guys, right? I, I, I think he's right. I think that has it's flipped now where it's like teams are emphasizing that 10 to 15 now on your roster is young guys. It's two-way guys. It's, you know, guys with potential that are 19, that are raw. It's, it's those kind of guys. So, and then going back to the, start of our podcast and we're talking about Porter Jr. and Kai Jones, is it any shock that this shit's kind of happening in locker rooms, right? Like you've got a lot of young guys, a lot of ego, a lot of testosterone, and then you've got a 10, 11, 12 guy thinking he's better than the starting point guard. And whereas I think it's sometimes good to have um, two guys that are veterans. Hey, well, you're not going to play a whole lot. They're not going to cause problems. They're going to push the young fellas and keep them honest, but they're not going to be like, I'm 34, I need to take mellow balls minutes, right? So I think there there is a, a point to that. And we see it with the behavior of some of these locker rooms, right? I think you could do, you could work wonders with having just a, a, a couple of veterans. You don't see that anymore. You maybe have one. And if you only have one and you've got 11 young shitheads, like they're tuning you out. But if you have two or three with the blessing of the coach, they can, you know, one of them obviously is going to play some minutes for you as a veteran Vet Ming guy, I think it's needed, and I think that that's probably more to his point. I think it's definitely gone too young from that aspect, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, it, it's totally needed. 
I think on every team they have two or three guys that are that are veterans that you know that could definitely lead by example. It's just not where the league is anymore. And yeah, maybe maybe you are right. I did I do definitely agree with the only stars could take mid range shots because I would have talks with you know a lot of analytical people. And my thing is don't be a hypocrite. If you think that the mid range shot is bad for the league, then ain't nobody should be taking them. Right, I don't. I don't believe that. Obviously, I'm a big mid-range fan. You know, if if the shot is open, like you know, especially how the defense is playing you. But then I would talk and I said, "Well, what about Kevin Durant?" He goes, "Well, he's Kevin Durant." I'm like, "No, no, 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 no. It's either good for the league or it's not good for the league, and good for the game or not good for the game." So, yeah, I do agree with that. Like star players, shot selection a little bit different, but um, yeah, and the difference is Kevin Durant will Kevin Durant will take your analytics title and. Shove it up your own ass, and you'll be fired yeah. if you go and criticize him. But if it's the twelfth man taking the midi, and uh, yeah, you, you can get on him a little bit more because you got a bit more push with the analytics department. That's the difference. The star player is going to tell you to go fuck yeah. yourself at the end of the day. Like I'm, no I'm, I'm open. It. I'm taking this shot. So yeah, you, there is some hypocrisy in it, and they're not. If you're going to stand by it, stand by it the whole way. But you know it's going to cost you your job. Yeah, no doubt about it. it yeah, I agree with that, folks. I, I definitely agree with it, and. Th- you know, it, it's happening in a lot of sports too. Uh, I have a good friend that does a, a podcast for the NFL. He's very smart. Um, he's worked for a bunch of teams, and he always like they'll go over the games from that week, and he'll talk about well, you know, analytics told this coach to do this, and they're not doing like it. it it's it's happening in, in multiple sports where it's just sort of everything's around analytics. And look, I think analytics is, it makes the game better in some ways. But a lot of ways, it just makes you do things you don't really have to do. I think a lot of the originality is out of the game. You know, 100%. When, when I started paying attention to the league, you had all these teams that played different ways based on the coach. This coach, this this team ran the triangle. This team ran the one four high. This team was a pick and roll team. This team was a press you all over the court three point shooting team. You know, like there was a lot of originality that went on. I just don't see that originality. Like I've been doing this big video project, probably watching seven, eight hours a day of film and everybody runs the same stuff. Everybody does the same thing. I think maybe golden state is a little bit different where they'll do a lot of stuff out of split action and go to the post and run that flare screen or whatever for the guy who passed it or get somebody else going, you know, but it's just five out, you know, into a pick and roll and, you know, it just everybody does the same thing. Every coach says the same, you know, space, pace, blah, blah, blah. Everybody does the same stuff. It's just, it's interesting. He, I've known Jabari's a good dude. He works hard. He's a good guy. Um, he, he doesn't really say a lot of crazy stuff. I think that most of the stuff, if not all, he was pretty spot on about, for sure. And look, it's a little spilt milk stuff. It's a little... You know, you're you're a little locked onto it because you're not in the NBA anymore. And, you know, look, number one pick, McDonald's All-American, everything's geared towards you making hundreds of millions of dollars and being a superstar, and you're on the outside looking in. Um, it does probably do something to you as far as being a little bitter about it. But I'll tell you what, a lot of other players in his spot would be saying just crazy stuff that – just a conspiracy theory stuff. That's not conspiracy theory. That's – most of that stuff, if not all, is, is pretty, pretty spot on about the league. 
doesn't make the league bad, folks. It just makes it, you know, you, you got to ask some questions of why some of the stuff is happening. You know, I understand you'll you'll get a lot of defense over the analytic stuff. Three's worth more than two, and you know things like that. And you got to get young players, and it's got to be young. It's got to be young. You know. Um, I mean, I agree. Yeah, I agree I mean, totally. I think the game, the, the fun part of the games. You know, in the NBA, at least the regular season, it's just it's boring. Um, playoffs ramp up a little bit, but like you said, it's copycat league now. And the funnest part for me in the '90s and the '80s, and even the, even the 2000s, was like like you said, like you know, and we were probably the last. It's probably Golden State Warriors' fault to an extent, but we were, I was part of one of those last playoff series that I think against Memphis Grizzlies where it was like two complete opposite styles of basketball, yeah. and that's what was fun about the series. It was like, yeah. Zebo and Gasol, two slower bigs. Tony Gasol. Allen on the perimeter. They're gonna they're gonna physical hold grab, and then it was like the young up and coming free flowing Warriors. It was like two opposites colliding, and that's what made it great. It was like which one's gonna win? And I, I still believe if Memphis win that series, does the league go as extreme in the trajectory of of three three threes and open open floor play as it does? Probably. I don't think it goes as extreme if Memphis win that. I think there's every potential that. You know, teams are like, oh, we need to get two big slow guys. <laughs> That's just the way the league is. It's a copycat league. So I totally agree. I think the fun of that is gone out of it. And our next segment will be touching on FIBA, which is exactly that. And I want to get that into in a second. But real quick, double the social betting experience where you can jump into the banner channels, connect with the double community, and write a bet together. So follow Copy Bets and jump into the banner channel. Download the app, Dabble, all one word, at the App Store, Dabble socially and gamble responsibly. But, yeah, pro, moving on to, to FIBA, that is exactly what it was. Uh, you just mentioned before we went live that you watched a fair bit of it. I watched a fair bit of it, and we'll get into the results in a second. But that was the best thing. It, it, there were teams that you clearly could see could not give two shits about analytics. They were like, we're going to run our action. We've got, we've got counters and reads from our action, and if that happens to be a eight-foot pull-up jumper from the block – that's what it happens to be. If that happens to be a, a you know, a, a long, a long three because it was open, we take it. And, and that was, besides probably the U.S. And, and probably Canada to an extent, all the teams played that way, and it was it was a beautiful thing to watch in this tournament, where it was still mono a mono. It was like, you know, coach from Latvia versus you know, let's say this team X, and it's like they're running some you know misdirection stuff to get a layout. What a beautiful play! Then they ball movement into this, and then they. They, it just flows so much nicer where they'll run a set and then have a counter to it and then have a counter to that counter and, and and it's very heavy on ball movement and passing and taking the right shot. Whereas, you know, the NBA product, when you compare it, and I said this, I've enjoyed watching NBL games in the regular season more than NBA because it's less games, it's 40 minutes, means a whole lot more. The, the skill level and the talent level obviously is not individually as high as an NBA team, but it's just a more – it's a beautiful brand of basketball to me. Um, there's still a lot of coaching involved. There's still a lot of nuances with quick hitter plays and timeout plays. The NBA is just like, all right, who's going to make more threes tonight? Who's going to run the most pick and rolls and get hot off their pick and rolls? And who's going to hit the free throw line most and draw – you know, bait the most fouls out of the referees? It's pretty predictable for the most part, whereas there's still a lot of unpredictability um, with um, the way the FIBA game goes. I don't even know that's a word, unpredictability. I don't think it is. Un unpredictableness whatever it is uh english scholars but um yeah I, I really enjoyed that that side of things from fiba i don't know i don't know what your thoughts were yeah bogues i mean euro league basketball this this one makes it special right it was just you know ball movement post up you know screening 
playing hard, you know, um, it, it's just a little bit, it's just a lot different. It's a lot of old school basketball. And as you know, with the, you know, with the FIBA side of it, it's a lot tougher, I think, especially in those European countries to really adapt just to the analytical way to think of the game. Where in the United States, we're a little bit more like susceptible to that, to, to go that way and that route to really change the fabric of the game that quickly. I think that, that it's just going to be really hard for, you know, Spain, you know, countries like Spain or Serbia or Lithuania, Slovenia to, to, to change the way they play. It's a gritty way to play. It's ball movement, screening, it's multiple actions. The coaches are mostly all old school guys. Um, it's a beautiful game to watch. And that's why I, I we've been saying it for a while. I, I much in, in more enjoy watching EuroLeague than the NBA on, you know, as far as the way the game's played and the style of play. Um, obviously there's nothing better, excuse me, there's nothing better than NBA playoffs, but you know, fee, um, the EuroLeague and especially the FIBA events, you really enjoy watching. It's just a lot of good basketball. It's a lot of winning type basketball that's, that's played. It's, it's fun to watch. Even though the teams aren't as in like United States will always have collectively the best individual players. They won't, obviously, the international side on top of the NBA is dominating, but it's, the NBA is just too athletic. I mean, I'm sorry. The United States is just too athletic, too big, too strong to, to not have great, you know, really good players, you know, individually. But the style of play since they're 10 years old versus the style of play of an international kid, international team since they're 10 years old, there's no, there's no comparison to the education that you're going to get as a basketball player. You might not be as physically gifted as a, a kid from the United States, but you're going to have better coaching. You're going to have more specific training that you really need. It's going to impact winning more than you're going to get in the United States. All coaches got to pass tests and go through some type of a process to really teach you and to coach you where you don't get that in the United States. You could, you know, you could literally walk out of jail in six, in six minutes and be an NBA trainer if you want to. And you don't really get that on the international side. You get coaches that are educated, you know, that have some type of a program plan and then you're not playing as many games. You're really doing a lot of skill work from like 10 years old to 16 years old. Then you start playing and then you get into your club. You go play for your national team if you're lucky enough. Just a better sort of brand of ball and just sort of where you grow up on. Yeah, and then U.S. is very isolation-based. It's all about crossing someone over and, and breaking someone's ankles and dunking on someone, which which is fine. I'm not knocking that's the, the way the game is there, and it's 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 much more less dribble, more ball movement, more sets-based um, over, over in Europe, which is fun. That's why I like watching FIBA because it's always fun to see how the U.S. go with that system versus other systems, but... Um, Moving on from that, Germany had a hell of a tournament. Uh, they ended up being in Australia's pool and 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 obviously beat Australia early on. They go on to to win uh, their first gold medal in uh, I think it's their first gold medal in the FIBA tournament. So um, they were they were awesome. Schroeder was was elite. They had a really good balanced team, um, you know, and they just continued to get better as the tournament went on. Uh, Serbia going number two, Canada three, USA four, Latvia to me surprise of the tournament. Um, had, had a few people tell me that they're going to do really well. They were they were awesome. I mean, they were they were one of the funnest teams to watch. I don't know if you caught me in their games, but they they moved the ball. They ran some good shit. They their coach was up and in and very passionate, and they were just a fun team to watch. 
Um, <clears throat> Lithuania, six. Slovenia, seven. Italy, eight. Spain, not getting to the, the quarters was surprising because um, you always have Spain in there. Australia get to 10, and then we move on. But the um, the teams that have qualified for the Olympics Pro, uh, Germany, Serbia, Canada, USA, top four, they're automatically qualified for Paris. Australia qualifies as the best finisher from the Oceania region, so we're a little bit blessed to be on this side of the world compared to Europe because they got, you know, there's some good European teams that won't make the Olympics, so that makes five. Uh, South Sudan make the Paris Olympics. Great for them. I mean, we've got a huge uh, South Sudanese community here in Australia. They're very influential within within grassroots basketball. There's a lot of young, long athletic talent. It was really cool to see a few of those guys playing the NBL and, and, have, and have been, you know, raised up in Australia, different parts of their life. So to see them go through their journey where, where they've gone, Royal Ivy coaching them, done a fantastic job. They probably should have even made the quarters pro. They they I feel like they bombed out. I think it was um who was it against Puerto Rico, I think it was, where they, they were up they were up by six or seven late and just like turnover, 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 and then lost the game. They ended up going overtime and they lost the game. They they could have they could have been in that eight. They ended up finishing seventeenth. Sorry, not the quarters, that they would have made the top sixteen, which would have been good. France pro, they they bombed. They 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 looked awful. They were uh out in straight sets, uh, Latvia, Latvia's pool and didn't get through. Um, and then there's a few other, few other nations below there. Uh, Japan uh, also get through to the uh, to the Paris Olympics. So that's you got seven seven going into twelve. You got five spots left, pro, for the likes of Latvia, Slovenia, Lithuania, Italy, Spain, uh, Montenegro, Puerto Rico, Brazil, Dominican Republic, Greece, Georgia. Uh, who else do we have here? France, obviously, sorry, you do get in, so that's eight because they're the host nation. So four spots left for all those teams I just mentioned, then Finland, New Zealand, and then the rest are probably awash from making it. Um, amazing. And then also to note, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, China, no Olympics, first time since since the Yaming era pro. So they are not going, they don't even get a chance to go to the qualifiers. They finished so poorly in the World Cup. They finished 29th. Uh, there was actually an interesting, the Philippines, I think, took their spot to to go to the qualifying tournament for the Olympics, the commentators from China were crying on air, um, pro. They were crying literally, passionately sobbing because they're not going to Olympics and it's the first time I think since Yao, Yao Ming was, was basically a rookie that they have not made an Olympic Games, which is, which is crazy considering how much of a push China's put into basketball, how much money they're spending, how many – clinics and camps and this and that they do that they're huge on basketball to not have them even a possibility for the olympics is pretty crazy yeah i've been over in china probably about 10 times i'm close to 10 times and um they do put a lot of money and effort into development and you know it, it is a little bit especially with the amount of people that there are in the country and how much money they put into it and the, the investment they made but it just goes to show you know you gotta look at what you're doing make probably look to make changes and and figure something out it, it is it is it's a, a a tough pill to swallow but now you got four years to try to get yourself back on on track with developing your you know your talent in your country but it's just it's it it goes in waves sometimes and it is it is uh it is pretty frustrating to watch but what are you gonna do it's they just gotta figure you get back to that drawing board and figure some stuff out they got four years to do it and you know you got to move on. Japan, watch out for Japan, pro. They're they're uh, they're coming up. Um, 
they 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 got a really good system. They're a really good system. The thing with China is they they try to play like U.S. style to an extent, and you just don't have the talent to play that that right. style of play. You got to have some sort of intricate system. The Japanese, much like soccer, they're very system based. They're very methodical with what they do. They've got a good structure. You know, their system was you know shoot a lot of threes, obviously, but they they've got some creative stuff. They're coming up and they're investing a lot in basketball. Their league is um, doing very, very well on this side of the world. Uh, they've got a, a, lot of, a lot of talent that they're taking from over the US and, and Australia to go over there and import spots. I think they're going to be the, the one country in, in, in the Asian region that's going to be the outlier of the next decade. I think they're really investing a lot in basketball. They're really making a push. Their league's getting better. So I think China's going to have to hold on to those tiers because they're going to they're have a tough slog. And then Philippines, obviously, just not as talented, but – they're a big basketball nation too, and they they finished above above China. So I don't think it's going to get any better, pro in the future. They're going to still have the money to spend, but they got to find their next Yao Ming. They got to they got to hook up two parents that are seven foot tall and <laughs> and find us a new Yao Ming. But um, interesting. Man. Yeah, it is. It, I I don't know where to go with it. Like you said, you you can't play like the United States. You got to play different. You, you obviously you got to teach kids how to play the right way. You got to but they're a little bit different mentality of how they, you know, the type of kid that's over there as far as, you know, the Japanese and, you know, different, dealing with the different people from Asian countries, they're a little bit different. Um, but, but like you said, you gotta, you gotta find a way to sort of, you know, Japan system, the Philippines, even Taiwan, like Taiwan, Taiwanese is really small. So they'll do do a bunch of like you know defending all over the court, dribble kick, you know shooting threes, but it's uh it's unbelievable that the amount of money that they can't that they put into it that they can't qualify. But hey, it is what it is, man. We just got to move on from it, I guess. Let's see what happens. It is, it is, and and just touching on that, Australia's performance very underwhelming. Uh, caught in the you know in my opinion the the style of play we just talked about that talked about Canada. USA played very similarly. In fact, if you watched a bronze medal game, it felt much more like an NBA game compared to the rest of the FIBA games. It was very pick and roll, ISO. Now they have the players to do that, SGA and, and, and Edwards on both, you know, either team. But Australia tried to play that same style, and I think that's what that's what got Australia in trouble. Um, not a lot of ball movement, a lot of pick and roll, ISO heavy stuff. When all else failed, it was kind of throw it to Patty, and Patty would go ISO mode, and some games worked, some games didn't. Defensively weren't weren't as good as they'd been previously. I mean, Patty's getting older, Joey's getting older, so just really underwhelming. It, it wasn't it wasn't a, a fun style to watch. It was very predictable, and I just don't think you know Australia can 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 do that. Look, we have NBA players, but we don't have we don't have the. I mean, Josh Giddy's obviously growing into an elite point guard in the NBA, but we don't have an SGA. We don't have an Edwards. We don't have a guy that you can throw it to. Paddy had that run in 21, but I think those days are gone. I have a guy that you're just going to throw it to and go ISO ball. So we needed, I think we needed much more off the ball movement, ball movement and a, and a good mix. And look at the end of the shot clock, if there's nothing, then you throw it to a guy for an ISO, so be it. But I just think Australia was too ISO heavy early in possessions. It was a very predictable way to play. And they're going to look to clean that up in the future. I think. I think even early as Paris, they're going to look to to put in some sort of system that can benefit all players and have everyone involved. You talk about Matisse Thybulle not having a great tournament, but then if you watch the tape in within the system, he's he's stuck in the corners a lot. He's stuck in you know running in transition, and then it's a pick and roll, and then he might not touch the ball for 
six, seven, eight, nine, ten troops pro. And we both know how hard it is in this in, in the NBA, especially if you're not involved in offense and then all of a sudden teams adjust and now they're blitzing giddy or they're doubling patty and getting it out of their hands, all of a sudden it gets swing, 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 Matisse, shit, we need to make this shot. We're down three in third quarter. We need to keep this game close. It's a hard shot to make. Josh Green the same, you know. So I think an emphasis on some ball movement, getting it through hands, uh, is something the Boomers need to look to do because it was, it was you know, it's the worst performance the Australian Boomers have had, um, you know, since I think, I think it's in the last decade now, I think 2014. Um, and I think even 2014 they would have made the quarter. So finishing ninth has not happened for a long, long time. So um, it might even be, might even be before that, uh, might even be to almost 20 years. I, I don't think the last time we finished out of the eight has been a long, long time. So... There, there is some work to do there. I don't know if you caught many of the Australian games, but I'd love to get your thoughts on 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 what you saw from the Boomers. No, it's the same thing. Like you said, they just gotta, you know, defensively. You know, obviously with with Jock being out, I thought, I thought it was a little bit. They had a little bit tough time protecting the rim at times. I, I do think that the ball's gotta. You just gotta keep moving the ball. You don't have that, like you said. You don't have those players to just to go to. First of all. I thought Giddy was amazing in some of the plays that he could make. You know, the vision, the the ability to just to drive it, and the things that he can do with his with his vision and getting guys the ball where they need it and when they need it. Um, I think he's a star in this league. I think he's one of the best point guards in the league. So obviously, that's a great young talent to build upon. Um, you know, Patty's getting up there in age. It seems like, you know, like I think that when you're assembling this roster. You know, shooting's got to be a big, you know, a big, a big deal because when they start doubling Giddy and sending, you know, multiple defenders, and he passes out of it and the ball moves, you got to be able to make shots consistently. I think, you know, in the development of, you know, Thibault as a player, I, I think that like you got to get him the ball in some other actions and, you know, have him do a little bit more. I think that that could help. I don't think he's a, I don't think he's built to become a guy that you run everything through. But I think that he needs a little, a little bit more offensive freedom. Well, pro leading in, leading into the, sorry to cut you off, but leading into the uh, World Cup, he, I went and saw, albeit against OK competition, they had three friendlies here: Venezuela, uh, Brazil, and, and South Sudan. The game I was at, he was six for seven from three when he was involved. And look, he's, he shot the ball much better in his Portland days when he when he got traded there from 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 Philly. His numbers jump up to close to forty, I think, yeah. or thirty eight. So he can't shoot it, but he, you can tell that he's a he's a flow involvement guy. Like he needs to be he needs to be involved. Right. I think Josh Green's kind of the same. So that's where it hurts. And and just touching on the, 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 the Patty and the Giddy thing, it was clear those two guys don't work well in the lineup together. They're both ball heavy guys. That's not knocking either of them. But Patty wants the ball in his hands. Giddy's the point guard. It just didn't work. It was super clunky and so much so that you started to notice, which I thought they would go to, that one of those guys would get subbed out early in the game. And then they'd come back in in the second yeah. quarter, for, in, towards the end of the first quarter for the other guy because it's tough. The other thing I'd say on Giddy is I, I would, I would, uh, I would like to have seen some post elbow action for, from Giddy because I think, you know, yeah. teams were, were doubling or, or messing with that pick and roll with Giddy. He's at half court trying to make a play now, and it doesn't utilize. Yeah. I mean, he's an elite passer and he's six eight, so you can you can actually post him and get him off the elbow. And then you're halfway there. You run some cuts off that. You have Patty moving, splitting with Joe Ingles, two great shooters. That's what I would like to have seen a little bit more of, just getting some cheap baskets. But sorry to cut you off, but, yeah, I mean, Matisse, his no, lead-up no. lead games were – his lead-up games, he played very, very well. And they were they were World Cup teams. Venezuela was there. 
Brazil was there and South Sudan. He played really, really well. And I was like, shit, that's that's huge. If he can just knock down one or two threes a game with his defense, that's a huge plus. And then the the, the World Cup rolls around and, it, you know, he was almost non-existent. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I'm not going to go against what coach, you know, what coach had him doing or whatever, but even like running some, you know, pick and rolls with Gideon Thibel or, or even Patty and Thibel forced to switch, you know, roll him into the mid post, you know, roll him in the elbow ISO. And, and he's got so much size and length to try to maybe to make a play. But Giddy's passing, you know, in size though. I mean, he's going to be an elite post-up guard if you let him. Exactly. You know, he could he could probably do a lot, a lot what Gary Payton did in the post back in the day just because of his size. And if you try to, throw, you know, run multiple defenders at him, he's just going to pass out of it. Um, he definitely, he, but the shooting with him too, like that's going to be something. I know he's got Chip England and Chip's one of the best that's ever done it with teaching, but he's got a, the free throw shooting. Like I said, I always say, look, three point shooting is a big part of the game, but as a shooter, you got to be able to make your free throws. Cause if, especially if you're, you got a lead or you're trying to get back into a game and you get big, you know, you get some, you get some things going as far as getting to the free throw line, they're going to send you to the line a ton. He's got to be able to consistently knock down free throws and consistently knock down shots. But um, it, look, you've got talent, but you don't have mega talent, like you said earlier. So outside of like, you know, the th- um, Giddy's Thibbles of the world, like you got to have guys that can surround you with shooting and can make shots consistently because when you start running double teams and blitz and pick and rolls and things like that, and they, the ball gets out of there and it swings – you gotta have guys that can make a play, and like Josh Green, he's gotta get become a better shooter. Thibault's gotta become a consistent shooter. Like, you're not gonna have a chance against the United States and other teams if you can't do that. You have your stars to a certain degree. You gotta be able to do that. Obviously, you know Jock's gonna be healthy, so they'll give him a little bit, a little bit of a you know better. I think a better rim protection and better you know better toughness and in, inside and, and defense and. and in basketball IQ, but uh, you know what? What did you think about your second unit with shooting and things? They, did, you know, I read some articles about some guys that should have played more. Um, did you feel as though, without? I mean, obviously, without second guessing what happened or, or, or rotations and things. But did you feel as though there were some guys that were sort of buried on that bench that could have helped them? You know, with the perimeter game a little bit more. Or yeah, Chris Golding is the one that comes to mind. You know, he he, he played a little bit yeah. in the in the, the the leading games and then hurt himself and he got a really bad cork, fell out of the lineup and didn't play much. And there were some games where he definitely could have been. You know, worst case, you put him in the corner for some action. No one's going to leave him, right? Um, so I think he was definitely a guy that could have played. Joe Ingles didn't have a great tournament. I mean, he's getting older. He's come off the the, the, the ACL. He didn't shoot the ball well. Now the question for this program is, where's our Where's our shooters? Like that's that's going to be the biggest thing. Is as Patty and Joey phase out, which they they clearly already are slowly getting age. I mean, probably one more Olympics and then who knows? Um, where are your shooters? Where are the young kids coming up? Josh Green shot the ball reasonably well in the NBA um, season previous season, but not not as consistent with the Boomers. But we need we need some more feet set shooters, and there's not many coming up the pipeline right now. Um, they can slide into the boomers for 24. So that's a big one. Um, but, but yeah, I think Chris definitely could have um, found some more minutes. Dyson Daniels was the other guy that didn't play, but he's not he's not giving you shooting. Dante Exum was actually very good off the off the bench. He played very, very well, very good defensively. His, his, his games, you can see what, 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 what the Euro League 
has done for his game. He's so much more patient. He just lets the game come to him. Whereas in the NBA, his first thing was very erratic, trying to find his spot. He's grown immensely as a player. Cannot more, speak more highly of how he played. And the other elephant in the room, pro, is is, is Ben Simmons. Again, um, there was comments again that you know he, he would consider playing for the Boomers or wants to play for the Boomers in Paris. Gideon Simmons, that doesn't fit. It just it, that, that's a hard fit. It's it's you got who's the point guard, who's not, and I think Ben will have to play a four or five spot on the Boomers um, mm-hmm. to make this all work. Now, does he accept that role? I don't know. But if you've got Gideon Simmons on your in your starting roster, like you said. Giddy's getting better with his three-point shot, still not where it needs to be consistently. Ben's not going to shoot threes. You've got two guys in FIBA ball that you can really muck the pain on, right? And they're going to pick on that. So that's the other thing. Everyone everyone getting hyped up about Ben wanting to play. Great, we want him part of the national team. We need him to put his hand up and be part of it. But do you have enough shooting to, to, to facilitate those two guys being in the lineup together at the same time? I think they're going to split minutes a lot, in my opinion. But... Um, it will be, you know, the, 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 I think yeah. the program, the national team program is in a transition period and it's, it's at a really important time right now um, for the future of the program, what direction it goes. There are some younger guys coming through, but I said this from the start, you, you got to be real careful. You don't buy into we're a team NBA players now, we're good. We don't need to do the extra stuff the Boomers did. We, we've got enough talent. We've always been um, a team that's, overachieved because we've always had that chip on our shoulder and never been as talented. My concern was once we get that amount of talent where we are as talented as other national teams, do we take a foot off the pedal? And I'm not saying they did that the last tournament, um, but that's a, that's, that's a concern that you got to have going forward when you've got big names in your team, you know, egos play a part, this plays a part, that plays a part, and you just want to make sure that doesn't happen. So um, a lot of work for the Australian national team, I think. Do you, for, do you foresee any... Do you foresee any changes um, before 24 as far as, you know, a, a player that gets replaced or, you know, what, what do you see? I'm not sure it's, it's, it's who's coming up in the pipeline. Look, I think Sydney Kings, I think Tui is um, a boomer. I just think Paris is probably a stretch. I think it's too soon. Um, I think he'll be there probably for the next campaign. You know, he's a... He's three streaky at the moment, but he's he's going to find that. He's got a nice stroke. He puts the time in. Six eight long gets on the rim, can play. You know, basically two three four. So I think he's one that's coming through the pipeline. But there's no one. There's no surprises that are going to come through for twenty four. I don't believe pro. I think it's too soon. It's ten months away. I think it's going to be a very similar squad. I think I think Reith was really good for the Boomers. By the way, um, I thought he was really really good. Yeah, he was. He made some threes as well. So I was kind of I thought he would have played a little bit more, and they wouldn't have gone to the small ball because I think the reason why you go for your small ball is to spread the floor and open up the lane and have three point shooters. But he was shooting it at forty mid early mid forties throughout the tournament from three. Not a high volume. He'd make one or two a game, but I thought they could have kept him out there a little bit more, especially when we struggled to get some rebounds. But yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how, how it goes. Obviously, same coaching staff, everything will remain the same. It'll just be a matter of, of, of what the tweaks are. Um, Paddy not playing for the whole, basically the whole NBA season, I don't think was a good thing for him. You know, I think he came into camp, his form was an issue early, got hot a little bit in games, but I think not playing for six, seven months straight consistently in the NBA, then trying to be that volume, high shoot guy with your national team. It, it was a little bit clunky at times, and I think that's, that's not a knock on him. It was just the unfortunate realities of the whole Brooklyn situation, part of the rotation. He's obviously now being traded. He's with Atlanta. So that's the other thing going into Paris. You hope that your Joe Ingles, your Patty Mills, 
Matisse, um, Green, these guys are playing influential minutes for their team. You hope two or three of those key pieces get benched or don't play minutes or something doesn't go right, then all of a sudden you're like, your main guys haven't had a lot of basketball the last 12 months. And I think that's what we saw from Patty and a little bit for Joey. You know, Joey came back off that injury, but, you know, he's finding his body and finding his form and strength and movement and quickness. And that's where I think it all struggled a little bit. So we'll be interesting. Let's move on real quick so we can wrap this up. Um, NBL stuff, I don't know if you caught much of it, but we had the NBL Blitz on the Gold Coast, which was a huge success. I think it was the most successful NBL Blitz, which is the preseason tournament they've had. Um, I believe Gold Coast is a potential expansion bid for the NBL. They're looking at potentially having a, a team launch here in the next couple of years. They usually do that. They host a tournament in in the city that they're kind of eyeing for the next license. So that we'll watch that space. But 40-odd NBA scouts here, Pro. It was a, it's a great part of the world to be in. Gold Coast is similar to, you know, your, your Florida or your, your Miami kind of that kind of vibe, beachy, really small kind of city. So 40 NBA scouts here out in the sun all day and then watching games at night. So that was kind of good to see. But our season did kick off uh, this past weekend. Um Melbourne 2-0, Brisbane actually first on the ladder, so I don't know if that'll remain, but they should screenshot that because um, I, I don't know if it'll remain that way, but they're 1-0 based on percentage, so good to see them get a win. Perth, hot and cold, they they, they, uh, they beat Tassie at home and then get absolutely thumped by Southeast Melbourne two days later. New Zealand solid win versus Cairns. Uh, Kings versus Hawks was a streaky game. The Kings made two or three uh, big runs and just as soon as Illawarra got it, um, within seven or eight, we'd bang two or three threes and get it back out to double digits. I don't think the Sydney Kings played that well, um, but the the two or three runs got them over the line against the Hawks. Adelaide started 0-2, not good there. So that, that's kind of the wrap. And my preview, I'm not going to go in-depth, but uh, for those listening, I'm going a very similar top six as last season. I'm going Melbourne United. This is in no particular order. My top six is Melbourne United, Sydney, Perth, New Zealand, Cairns, Tassie. It is a top six now, don't forget, because we have the playing games. That'll be my top six, which leaves Southeast Melbourne, Brisbane, Illawarra, and Adelaide out. I think Adelaide are going to be dead last. Uh, I don't like the way their roster's put together and the way they're playing. Um, there's been a lot of talk about they've got a next star in Flowers who hasn't started the season very well. A lot of these young guys are struggling. Um, I think their best next star right now in the league, which is a potential lottery pick, is Saar out at Perth. He's playing very, very well. Long, athletic, seven-footer, long. Don't know if you know much about him. Shoots the three ball very, very well. So I think he'll be a he'll be a potential lottery pick the, the season after. But uh, that's where the NBL is at. Pro and hey, Pro, you can actually watch it live now because it's, it's it's actually going live into uh, into the US on ESPN. You just got to get up at two or three in the morning. So I'm sure that shouldn't be a problem for you. Yeah, why not? Why not? <laughs> All right. Well, hey, direct me to the, you know, direct me to where to watch it. ESPN, man. We're on the main ESPN. Hey, did you- ESPN one or two? It'll be live, in, but it'll be your your morning hours. They just announced that it's all the games are going live, so there'll be a lot of potheads watching uh, NBL games in the NBA. <laughs> I know there was a lot of friends of mine that used to watch AFL games when I was in college. I used to watch that when I was high in high school. Just like okay, <laughs> so you'll see a lot of that. Did you watch Perth against? Um- the G League Ignite when they were in Vegas? I didn't see those games, no, but they did pretty well, right? I mean, Saar Sa played pretty well in those games and, you know, one and one, weren't they, against them? Yeah. One loss, one win? Yeah, yeah, it was, it was typical G League Ignite, you know, one good game, one one not so good game, so, but it was good. It, it, those guys competed and it, it was uh, it was pretty cool to watch. Yeah, well, I think the NBL season is going to be super close. I, I don't think there's a standout right now. Um, I think the Kings... 
everyone's picking them just because a load of roster. I think it's there's going to be some growing pains for us. I think new coach, new system, still figuring things out. Um, DJ Hogue's out probably till you know late October, early November with a with a shoulder injury. So one of our best players. Um, we have the talent. It's it's a matter of just fitting it all together. So I think it'll be, you know, we'll have some inconsistent games early on in the season. Hopefully, trying to build to mid late season. Um, that's all going well. Melbourne look just I think the most solid. Uh, I think they're just well put together. They've played well together. Delhi is uh, it's uber aggressive. Delhi over here, pro. He's he's trying to he's pissed off by not making that boomers <laughs> that boomers squad to the World Cup. He's in unbelievable shape, ripped like absolutely ripped. And he's 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 clearly um, noted that he's he's being aggressive offensively. He's not the Delhi you saw in the NBA. I mean, he was six for eighteen last game, similar numbers the game before that. So he's hoisting them up early in transition. He's shooting it. So I think his feel is, I need to be aggressive offensively. I want to get back in that Boomer squad. And they're two and zero under that. You know, Delhi's still one of the best defenders in the league, on board defenders, gritty, but he's he's noticeably been super aggressive offensively. You know, it's, it's just interesting, man. Like, you know, when somebody doesn't really get much of a, a consideration when they play on the NBA team, and not that he should have when, when when he was playing it, it's just tough at his age compared to what, you know, what they had on their team, in Sac- especially Sacramento. But then you go, you know, you play you play in a FIBA team and an, an Australian team, NBL, and, um, you know, obviously you could still compete and you could do what you do and, you're a pro. You're in great shape. You you got a high basketball IQ, and you know how to play. It's just interesting, you know, sort of what you can put on the court versus what you did in the NBA. And people just assume that you didn't get time in the NBA or an opportunity that, you know, you lost this. You don't really have it, and then you then you show them different. So it's uh, it's pretty cool to see. He's he's always been a tough guy, a warrior. So you always you know you always sort of get behind guys like that. Yeah, and great respect for him. I mentioned this on the pod earlier in the year, I think, or with the Jock Landale interview. Um, he, I believe, he had a deal with the Kings on 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 the books. I think he had a he had that vetmin deal. Mike Brown loves him, veteran guy, but he said, "I need I need to go somewhere and play minutes to give myself a chance for the 2024 Paris Olympics." So he's he's arguably left him, you know. Vet Min, $1.5 million for him probably with Sacramento, the NBA lifestyle. He said, I'm going to park that. I'm going to go back to Melbourne United. I'm going to play 30 a night, and I'm going to get in good form mentally and physically to try and make a, a final run. It'll be, it'll be most guaranteed be his final Olympics with his age. I respect that a lot because he's backing himself. He's probably leaving money on the table. He's leaving the luxury of the NBA and all that kind of stuff because he knew he wasn't going to play. To say, you know what, I'm going to go to the How NBA. How old is he, Bogues? I think he's 35 or 36. So, yeah, he's if he gets to okay. if he gets to uh, 2028, God bless him. But I, I highly doubt it. Um, he's he's on the he's kind of on the outside of that squad already. But I think he can grind his way back, and I think mm-hmm. they they could they could use a bit of his leadership in that locker room um, to try to get them back on 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 track to to where they should be as a national team. So interesting, nonetheless. Finish off with some fact or fake news, bro. I've got two for you, actually. I'm going to start with these two, the most obvious ones. You know what, folks? You know what? Let's let's give it to you today. Let's give it to you today, and I'll and I'll get back so into pro, it. Pro, pro forgot to do his. I don't want to do. Pro forgot to do his homework, so he's no. Like, like no easy question. I could have said that the Boston Celtics may you know are you know clearly above the Milwaukee Bucks now in the championship. Why should we talk about that when we're going to be doing team reviews? Next week in analysis. Because so, they both made the trade. What? It's a segue from Whatever the trade. You have. All right, all right, all right. All right, so the Bucks will win a championship with Dan Lillard. 
fact or fake news? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to say fake news. Okay. I'm going to say fake news. I, I don't think they're deep enough. They do have a good team. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, Middleton's got to stay healthy. Lopez, he's getting up there in age. You know, Lillard's been banged up a little bit. The shooting might be a little bit of an issue. Um, then you just n- never know with the, you know, it's so volatile as far as like everything working out. And then all of a sudden now I'm going to go, you know, so you don't, you just don't know. And the way Denver's built and some of these other teams, you know, you don't know what's going to happen with some of these stars that could be on the move. It's hard to say, but I would just say no, uh, uh, nothing against Dame Lillard or anything. I'm just going to say uh, yeah, I'm going to go fake news as well. You know, I, I, I think, think I think depth's a huge issue. I think they got a strong seven, so they have got their starters and then Connaughton and Portis, and there's a huge drop off after that. So I think if they if they have an injury or two during the regular season, it could severely hamper their record. Uh, God forbid they get one in the playoffs. I just don't think they have enough de- depth right now, and I think that's an issue. And like I said at the start, I think they've traded traded away defense for some more offense. Will that work? I think it'll help in late game situations, but over the course of a tough playoff series. You know, Dan's got to go out at the other end as well. Um, and that's putting a lot of pressure on Giannis and, and Lopez. And don't forget, you know, Lopez was an elite rim protector. Um, sorry, Lopez was. And, and, and Giannis, for the most part, they did a good job of keeping him out of foul trouble throughout this last 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 regular season, right? That might not be the case this season because now it might be a bit of a, you know, the, the, the red handkerchief to the bull coming into the paint, right? Because Dame's not a great defender. Middleton's obviously a bit banged up with injuries. So I think they're going to see a lot more bodies flying in the paint that now Giannis and Lopez have to step up for. So watch, watch that space as well. The next one, which is quite obvious, the Celtics will win a championship with Porzingis and Drew Holiday. Fact or fake news? I'm going to say fact, but I do think they're going to have, I think they're going to have Porzingis just hasn't been able to stay healthy throughout his entire career. And I don't, uh, but I just think that Tatum Brown, they'll get a, they'll get some, they'll get a lot of mileage out of Holiday. I really do. I think that their front office is one of the best in the league, and just having those two guys under contract long term with Brown and Tatum, and you could always sort of find other guys to fill that in. I, I just do think that they they'll be in line to win a championship at some point. I don't think it's going to be this year. Or I think that I think Denver. You're arguing with yourself, bro. Be. You're arguing with yourself. You said fact, and now you're saying I don't think it'll be this year, man. Like you're sitting on the fence. Oh wait a minute. Oh, I'm sorry. I apologize. Did you say they're going to win a championship this year, or not just sort win a of championship. With those guys? On oh, so you're saying beyond beyond this season they'll win it? Okay, fair enough. So they won't win it this season. Yeah, no. Um, will they win it this year? Hmm. Well, I'll go fact. I'll go fact. I think fake, they will. I think they fake will. Fake news. No, you, you think Boston's going to win it this year? I do. Um, I, I do have question marks around Porzingis. I think the health, um, and I think then you're relying yeah. on Horford and Luke Cornett as your backup bigs. There's some question marks there. Do they go to market and find someone, a vet, vet mean big role maybe? I don't, know, I don't even know if they can, if they have a roster mm-hmm. spot. That is a concern, but I think I love the acquisition of Drew Holiday on that squad. I think a great role-playing guard um, and, uh, you know, 
I just love love what he what he's done, even with the national team in the Olympics uh, a couple of a couple of years ago. When they brought him in late, I think he changed the whole that like, he changed the whole dynamic of that squad when he came in. I feel you know he had the, I think his wife was his wife pregnant or sick or he came in late to 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 the Japan Olympics and that all changed. So I, I love that acquisition. I think that the you know Porzingis is he he's the one that puts him over the top in my opinion. I think his health and his form especially on the defensive end, is what's going to make them who they are. I mean, they don't need – and can he do that, pro? That's a thing. He's notorious, you know, I wouldn't say powdered, but him and Luca didn't get along. There was that argument for touches at some point when they played together. He does want to be the man, but, you know, if he just gives them 15 and 10 at night, 12 and 10 at night, two or three block shots, just can space the floor um, to three when needed, open up the floor for Tatum and Brown, they'll be in a really good spot, but it does come down to health. Um, and if I was them, I'd play him – you know, 20, 20, 20, 25 early on, just make sure he stays healthy and get him through the season, give him some rest nights. Because I think he's not their best player, but I think for them to go to the championship and be competitive, he needs to be healthy and he needs to be in form. Otherwise, you know, you're putting a lot into Al Horford, who's what, he's almost 38, 37, 38, 39 maybe. And then you're putting a lot into your backup in Cornette. So I'm just going to take a, a punt that this will put them over the top pro and they'll win a championship this season. Yeah, I'm just going to – I'll probably go and say that it's going to come out of the West, probably Denver. I don't know about Phoenix, but, you know, again, we'll talk about that later shows. But I just don't think this year, for one reason or another, Porzingis' health, it's not his talent. His talent, he's a good player. And I think that early on in his career, especially based on the trade, you know, to Dallas, I think that he probably, you know, because Luka wasn't Luka yet and they, they brought him in – wanting him to be like that dirt type player. And then it just sort of went south when Luca just sort of t- took a, you know, obviously a quantum leap in his mm-hmm. game. And then he just sort of got left out. And then the way they played analytically, look, Porzingis is a good shooter, not a great one. He's a really good, I watched about four hours of film on him yesterday. And like, he's so good at the mid post. He's so good at, you know, hot, like the elbow ISO. I obviously could run the floor. Just defensively, when you get into him and all the banging, that's just not what he is. And he, he has a hard time with it. He's a decent defender. He's not a really great passer, but he's, like I said, really good. Like, you know, when you get him into his spots, he's good. The problem is, you know, like they have three of three other guys that are better than him on, on the offensive end as far as what they can do. Probably two at least, right? Maybe not Holiday. But... I don't think it's going to be an attitude thing. I just think it's like your expectation of him, where are you going to put him, having a package of plays that you know can keep him interested. He just has to stay healthy. The problem is he now with their bench being where it is, there's probably a little bit more pressure for him, him to play more, like more games that aren't rest as much. If you rest him 20 games a year and he plays 60 to 62 – you know, just mostly under concern, you know, that he's just not going to get over overwhelmed physically and get hurt, then that's okay. I just think the championship's going to come out of the West. I do like them. I just, his health is, folks, when's the last time he was healthy where he could play seven, although nobody plays 70 games anymore anyway, but like, that's the thing. Can he stay healthy in a big role? I don't know. That's a, that's why it's an outlier. It's, it's a, there's a risk. There's a risk with picking yeah. him. I, I think the Drew Holiday thing. I like them to probably find another big 
um, Coley Stein, you know, someone who can protect the rim a little bit and just just play that role for five to ten minutes. Someone along those lines, Javale McGee. And they signed Wayne Gabriel today. Oh, well, there you go. Maybe that's the guy. Um, they'll, they'll give him a bit of yeah. minutes off the bench. But but you know what I mean. Like I think that's that's the concern. Yeah. I think I would like to see them play without Porzingis for stretches. So I think the the resting the bonus is you're resting him during the season and playing less games so he stays healthy. But I think then you find what else you have in the in the case that he does get hurt in the middle of the playoffs and you're like, oh, we've, we've played 25 games without him at the five anyway. We've, we've done this, we've done that, this has worked. So I think that's important. And I think I'd like to see them do that. And if they're smart, they'll do that. They'll, they'll rest him certainly. You can't rest him national TV games though, pro. That's the new... The new the new Iron Fist rule for the NBA, right? You can't do that. I gotta read up on that rule, both. Yeah, I gotta read <laughs> yeah. up on that rule. Like, who designates who your best players are, and you know, national, who designates uh, was it, what what what, what who, who designates what a back spasm is? Like, yeah, want to arrest a guy for a national TV game? He's yeah, got a back. That, sp- he's got a back spasm. You want to come diagnose it, um, Adam Silver? Come on, go ahead. <laughs> like, yeah, still- that's the thing. Yeah, that. Look, just like any other rule, it's like a tax code, right? Like yeah. you're gonna find ways to 100%. go around it. You're not gonna right? come out and say, "Oh, we're yeah. uh, we're, bleeding, we're resting him at the TV game, but he needs rest." We're just gonna say he's hurt or he's sick. He's got stomach stomach virus. Like, yeah. how, how are you gonna change it? It's just gonna be even more outright lies in the NBA than we've seen before. That's all it's gonna do. It's just gonna change the way you put your PR statements out there, right? Without doubt, without doubt. All right, pro. One in the books. We're no longer uh, video virgins, and we'll see how this goes. We'll see how. Producer Trent puts this all together and uploads it. Hopefully it looks good and get some feedback from our viewers. Hopefully you don't scare the kids that listen to uh, to our podcast pro now that we're on video. Yeah, Bogues, you know, hopefully the next our next episode isn't when when Benyana's like in his nineteenth year in the league. So let's, maybe let's try to let's try to stay out of the Yeah. I feel like we're like a political podcast that took the whole election off. So let's try to get into the summer next year. It's off bit. season, man. You know what I'm saying? I died cheat to do. I was building the yeah, studio. I was building the studio, man. I was doing. Hard, I was doing it all myself. Hard labor. Yeah, you got to put that a multi-million dollar studio together. That's right. That's right. But nice Rondo. What if club. that's not a virtual background? What, what if that's a virtual background? 